Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Maybe it's been bred into me, but I've always had a, a curiosity to, to explore the world. Day one. <sighs> Tough going. The minute you stand still is the minute you're dead. And I refuse to let myself rot away in comfort. Day two, um, 48 hours done now. Uh, three full days down, 72 hours in. Four full days in, and I wanted to give day you five. Our uh, five days done, sorry, going into day six. Uh, day 56, eight weeks, done and dusted. Mood is good, spirits are good, spirits are high. Uh, day 43, done and dusted, Day 32, done and dusted. I respect my body, I respect my mind, and I respect myself too much to just give in. Anything and everything is, is achievable. Yeah, this is going to be fucking epic, man. This is only 24 hours in, and um, yeah, it's tough. My name is Damien Brown, and welcome to Deep Roots. And welcome to this bonus questions and answers episode. Thanks to everyone who has sent in questions over the last five weeks. Um, I've correlated them all up and uh, um, I'm looking forward to kind of getting stuck into them. I haven't given any of them huge amount of thought because I really don't believe in, I, I much prefer um, the answers that come out of me kind of in the moment. You know, I've rewired myself to live very much in the moment. Um, it comes kind of kind of organically to me. So when I, when I kind of stretch myself outside that I I don't feel as comfortable you know I'm so I I'm just gonna I've written them down I've obviously read them written them down um to correlate them all or to get them all into one spot because people have been sending them in through Instagram a couple of my account um Deep Roots account Facebook website so 
So here we go. I'm just going to crack into them and see what comes out of my mouth. Talk myself into some answers. So first one is from Oni M. Uh, and he goes under at Kojak on Instagram. For somebody like yourself who's driven and motivated and courageous. Thanks a lot, Oni. How do you unwind and stop yourself thinking or overthinking? To switch on that button to get in the zone, i.e. for a hard training session, is challenging at times, but you do it and are satisfied, etc. How do you rest the mind, though? And also, do you think it's important to set goals? He continues, uh, Oni continues, I train because I have a genuine interest in it. I enjoy the outdoors, putting some element of strain or hardship on the body in the gym, but rather... But sorry, but training aimlessly at times is tough going because apart from a sweat and a pump, I feel I'm just going through the motions. Okay, so um, I'm going to kind of break that into a few different. Well, it is a couple of different questions. I'm actually going to take the one about goals first because I feel that is um, it's going to kind of cover a lot of the the question before that around overthinking and training. Do you think it's important to set goals? Absolutely. I have one-year goals, I have five-year goals, and I have lifetime goals. When I retired from rugby, I kind of reread all those goal lists where I was at at the time, and then I formed a new goal list, which was entitled, Before I am 40, I will. And then I had like seven endings to that sentence. Uh, I just kind of turned 40 there in May this year. So um, that was, uh, you know, that was D-Day on all those goals. And I completed four of the seven, uh, which were the MDS, the Mountain de Sable, to complete that, to row across the Atlantic, to raise over €100,000 for charity and to complete five of the seven summits so you can obviously those are kind of big goals because it was a five-year window so you know i gave myself opportunity but there was three i didn't i didn't complete what do goals give you direction i find they give you direction they give you drive well they, they give you drive if you have meaning if you have purpose um, behind uh, the goal it's not just something arbitrary that you've picked out of nowhere you know I think you saw somebody else do something and you thought that would be a good idea for a goal well guess what you're probably going to fail um, you need goals to be big and to be meaningful to stretch you to push you out of your limits to overcome all the resistance and the setbacks and the pushback and the hurdles that you are going to encounter if your goal is big if your goal is meaningful that's just a reality but that is a beautiful space to live in because that's where you get all this clarity because you have that set goal you have that kind of foundation that gives you feedback all the time because you're striving for something so when i hear you talk about kind of training aimlessly i can i get that i relate to that because you don't have those drivers you know like you can go in and you have a bit of motivation because you know you respect yourself and you want to keep fit and you want to keep healthy and you enjoy your body and you probably have some smaller drivers around that in the long term excuse me if i'm you know talking out of place it's just what i am kind of visualizing or imagining when i, I try and put myself in that place 
that motivation wanes, wanes and wanes. Motivation is fleeting and drive is um, deep and drive is consistent and drive is always there. So you need something fueling that drive and that's where purpose, that's where something bigger than yourself, that's where a big goal comes in. Um, uh, And that's why, uh, you know, I... At the moment, for example, I had just had one, another big expedition cancelled on me. So I took 20 days off because I was training hard for that. And when I'm in that kind of place, um, I'm pushing into like the training is, is, is stressful. It is, it's difficult. It's not easy to get up every day and have, um, you know, there's a reluctance um, there's a resistance around pushing into those places, but you have to do it to be in peak physical condition for the start of a expedition. And when this one was cancelled, it was just a perfect time for me to step away from training for a little while and re- reset and, you know, give my body a period of rest. And to be honest, I, I just didn't have like uh, anything really driving me on to what's next. You know, I, I hadn't that mental connection with okay well what's next how do I prepare for that so I just took a window of time off and actually it started to uh, what was originally planned as 10 days ended up in 20 days because I just didn't have that enthusiasm to get back in the gym and go at it again um, because I didn't have that something that was driving me you know I just I'm similar enough in that if if I don't have a goal, like I can get into the gym and I'll do my bits and pieces, but I'm I'm missing a huge piece to the puzzle to really push myself and be getting be satisfied from training, and that satisfaction it comes in um, simply in I don't overthink training. Once I'm done, once I'm finished, uh, that's it. Like I walk away very satisfied, very fulfilled from that session, and know I push myself into mentally uncomfortable vulnerable places and i overcame them because i finished the fucking thing um and i learned from it and and that you know that means that i i'm it's for me it's very easy to switch off anyway after that so i hope that answers um your question only and i appreciate it thanks so kieran kelly um, also messaged through Instagram and he asks, how did you purify the water when you need it each day? So simply enough, I had a water maker, um, on board the boat. Uh, it was called, it's uh, made by a company called Cadadin, a Cadadin 40, E40 or D40 or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter, right? Um, and, uh, that I put that, so that is, there's batteries on board that are linked to solar panels. So they're charging every day and it's, you have to be really careful with those because, um, you can't let the charge get too low and you never know if you're going to have a few cloudy days in a row. Anyway, so they're charging, um, the, they're charging the power, which runs the water maker. And I would always run the water maker when the sun was at its highest. So around 12 o'clock in the day when there was the most sun on the solar panels, take less drain off the system because it is, it can be fragile. Um, 
And uh, yeah, and I'd run it for about an hour. I'd get a liter and a half every 15 minutes. So I'd end up um, after an hour with six liters and the odd day I'd do seven and a half if I was feeling extra thirsty. And then I'd have my water for the day and I wouldn't use it again, you know. Uh, So that just was kind of, and that's how it worked. Basically, there was a hole in the bottom of the boat, uh, an eyelet in the bottom of the boat and tube down to that and it sucked up water into this little um kind of well um and that meant that there was always um water available to be used by the water maker whenever it turned it on because one of the dangers of the water maker is if you're using it and you're surfing down a wave and um you kind of separate from the ocean for a second or two seconds whatever and a little bit of air gets into the pipe and gets sucked up and then ends up blocking it and it can be very complicated to fix it and uh, to be honest with you i don't have to i that was like a that was one of my massive fears going out there if something like that broke like i just do not have that skill set i fucking i would be fucked um if something like that broke but there is contingencies if it does break you do have a handheld water maker but you really 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 don't want to be using a handheld water maker because about an hour um of pumping on the handheld water maker gives you about a liter of water and you need about like kind of four or five six liters a day so when are you going to do that or when you have the opportunity to do that is only when you rest of course when you rest the last thing you fucking want to be doing as a solar roar or any roar is pumping on a thing for an hour out in the sun or you know so so that contingency although there it's one you really don't want to have to employ so um yeah um so the water maker is just a desalinator you know run it, it takes the seawater up it runs it through i think about nine different filters and gives you out this kind of potable drinkable water which tastes okay you know there's all sorts of people have all sorts of stories about it like oh it tastes like shite and you know bring this and bring that tablet and it tastes fine to me um it's grand uh yeah by the end of it, I lost so many of my water bottles overboard. I was drinking it out of like the five, I had a five, was it a, no, a 10 liter drum um, on deck. Um, and I was just putting that up to my mouth and basically drinking the water out of the 10 liter drum. So uh, next question, or two questions is from Michael Meehan uh, through Instagram again, uh, at my MJ Behan. MJB Meehan, excuse me. Two questions. Uh, so what happened? Your first boat, can it be used again or did it need to retire? And second question, when do you plan to, when did you complete Mount Vincent? Okay, so my first boat, um, still alive, still going strong, wasn't retired. Um, Darian was her name and basically I sold her. Took about seven eight nine months after the race was finished and was back in i was back in ireland um for it to sell um actually sent it to the guy who built it over in devon justin adkin and he did a refurb a refit and fixed up everton and then i sold it on so uh she's good to go she's good to row another ocean and the plan is that she would row another ocean the guy who bought it off me is a guy called richard harris harris or harry's from um the uk and he had planned to be the oldest man ever 
to row an ocean. He's 70. Um, I think he's put back his expedition now a year because of COVID. But um, yeah, so that's his plan. And his, if you are listening to this and you're an Instagram guy like uh, Michael, his handle is at old man and the sea or at old man on the sea, maybe one of those. You'll find them anyway. And uh, yeah, so that's what happened to Darian. Uh, like that was a huge, I'll get to this question because I know somebody else asked a question later, but that was a huge outlay of money and it was the big asset um, for the project, you know, so it had to be sold to try and recuperate some funds in the budget. But I'll talk about that a little bit later when I come on to sponsorship. Uh, and then Michael's second question, when do you plan or when did you complete Mount Vincent? I didn't complete it. I haven't even, the, the plan is to complete it. Um, when, uh, when I, when I find about 40 grand from somewhere, it's like incredibly expensive. If you don't know, Mount Vincent is the highest mountain in Antarctica. Um, it costs a fortune, um, as I said, about 40 grand. So, um, I was, I did my best to try and get sponsorship and worked very hard on sponsorship for Mount Everest. Um, now, obviously, Mount Everest is appealing, a bit more appealing to sponsors than a place like Mount Vincent. So um, I just about got Mount Everest uh, fully sponsored. I had a couple of great sponsors, especially O'Connell's Bar in Galway, who were my main sponsor. But trying to get Vincent sponsored, I think, is probably near impossible. So I don't know where or where and when I'm going to get 40 grand to go for it. And, and you know, but it'll be well after Project Empower sometime I have. Um, so I got Mount Everest next April, May, and then attempting it anyway, at least, and giving give my best shot. Then I have a thing called Peak Lenin, a mountain in Kyrgyzstan uh, with Earth's Edge and a, a group of people I'm guiding there. Uh, and then I got um, uh, another ocean row in summer 2022. So it definitely won't be anywhere in there. Um, but sometime after that, hopefully we'll see in the future. But it's definitely in the plans. It's just funding at the moment is is not. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's not it's not 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 it's not available. <laughs> and I don't see where it's going to become available from. Um so I hope that helps uh, answers your question, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for that. Next question is from uh, Stephen Ferris. Uh, some of you guys, um, if you're rugby followers, will definitely know Stephen Ferris, British Lion, Irish International, uh, beast of a guy. So uh, Stephen asks, have you given up in the past rugby adventures? And if so, for whatever reason, what are the learnings from that? Yeah, uh, rugby adventures, I think... Um, it's a good question. It's a deep question. I could go into it pretty deeply. I've definitely, I mean, I've quit so many times. I've, I've quit so many times in training. Uh, you know, I've lost count like of the amount of times. There's the lessons from, uh, that, the lessons from kind of giving up or quitting in a session or kind of comes back to Oni's question at the start. It's just not having something big enough pushing me you know, into pushing me past that resistance, pushing me past those moments. Um, I found also in the past, if I'm emotionally tired from a day, um, like if something big has happened in the day and I try and train later in the day, I never have the same energy to push through those really, you know, those tough spots. If it's a tough training session, 
Um, and, I, you know, I also believe that there's there's levels of training that you can only access on certain um uh, over certain time frames like you you want to have a high level of kind of uh, standards and energy but every day and kind of getting after that every day and trying to inch that forward and trying to improve it but there's only certain spots like you know if we're talking about the thing that's popping up for me here is a 2k row um i can do one of them flat out i would say about once a year that's that's all the energy i have because i because it is so taxing mentally and emotionally i mean there's so much um apprehension and anxiousness on the run-up to it kind of reminds me i'm sure you remember this of kind of big rugby games or rugby games you know and the build-up to a rugby game fez like where you're that morning it's just so uncomfortable like you just can't settle you know you're so anxious about because you're going to war later on that afternoon like so you just can't wait and the closer it gets to the game you just want it to start you just want to fucking get the first touch of the ball or first action kind of reminds me of that you know that same kind of anxiousness that there's something horrible coming here and you're going to have to look into your fucking soul to come overcome it that's what a 2k row gives to me um a, a, a flat out everything i got going for a new pb 2k row like so um i i only have the energy to do that once a year and and those type of sessions like if, if somebody said to me to do the day after i do a 2k row to go again i'd never be able to summon the same push the same energy you know it's just it's just too much i don't have the emotional um capacity to give that again i like i'm so fucking happy when it's done i'm so relieved if i've particularly like you know if i've worked very hard in in the build up and peak to it and then uh, i hit a new record which i have been um lucky enough to do the last few years in competition so um yeah and i, I closed the door on that then and, and look start looking at other things where i want to kind of improve myself so yeah the lessons for that is that like you got to be careful in in what you choose to do where you're pushing yourself you know what's gone on that day in your life and it has that taken away any kind of um energy that you may need to summon in the session and then what are you training for like is that big enough is that important enough is that meaningful enough for you to get through all that crap all that resistance all that that stress is going to throw up you know all that hardship all that uncomfortable mental and physical states and like that's not nice and stress is always stress um so it's always going to be the same and and do you have something big enough pushing yourself through there i suppose uh, and what i've noticed in the past is when i have quit is the, what i what i am training for it's just it's not meaningful enough or you know i don't have a lot of direction focus or i've kind of overreached a little bit without you know without that kind of driver which a big goal or something meaningful to you pushes you into um i hope that answers your question Another one from Stephen. We've all cut short in a session because we feel fucked, but is there a trigger that helps you control the self-doubt? Um, yeah. Um, the, the four controllables are the best thing. So like self-doubt is um, a consequence of 
uh, physical, extreme physical fatigue. You know, it's just mental fatigue and it's just your brain looking for a way out. So you have to switch what you, so firstly you have to be aware obviously of that situation. So self-awareness is absolutely paramount in any sort of physical endeavor because the stress is sneaky and it's your mind's going to try and find the way out so it's all about recognizing that being aware of that and then being able to change it by controlling certain things so i've got um a method that i've developed called the four controllables and i'm continuing to develop uh, and that is four um concentrations or things that are within our control that if we direct our mind to them or focus our mind to them or concentrate our mind on them it always brings us back to the present moment and that gets us through those um moments of weakness in training so they are position and technique number one so whatever you are doing it doesn't matter whatever is instigating this physical stress, the body positioning and technique around that. And then I use. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Those cues and questionings in um, uh uh, process a pre-awareness process so a cue is just a sentence around the position and technique of what i'm doing so let's say i am rowing or no let's say yeah let's say i'm rowing because i've talked a little bit about that um one of the cues might be chest to screen or one of the cues might be uh, long and loose or one of the cues might be long spine or chest up or you know a positional cue so i'll have thought of that before i'll have read that or thought of it or written it down before the session in a, a pre-prepared awareness um segment of a process and the questioning then is just asking it's, it's the exact same as a cue it's just asking yourself the right questions so um uh, some questioning around position and technique would be what's my spine doing um are my hips and my spine connected um what's my ankle doing can i get a bit more um uh what's the word i'm looking for extension through my stroke can i get a bit more range um what's my uh, upper back doing you know um can i lengthen through all my limbs it's just asking yourself a question in those moments of doubt that brings your awareness to or brings your concentration to a position and technique and brings you back to the present moment and you can't be stressed you can't be anxious in the present moment so uh, that's the outlay and the four controllables are position and technique, effort, uh, breath and self-talk. And they are always within your control, all of those things. It's the choice 
whether you concentrate on them and if you do you completely change your state you know you depressurize that time so you take away the doubt um, and you bring yourself back to the present moment um, and I've found them incredibly incredibly beneficial and valuable in moments of extreme stress in moments of chaos in moments of darkness in moments of self-doubt so I, I hope that helps um, I do have plans to kind of I suppose push that out there that four controllables method in in a kind of um, you know just to people so they can use it and access it in the future but it's just been all a bit um curtailed for for numerous reasons like covid and um adventure projects that are just are very time consuming uh, i do also have a plan to uh do um crucible events so like bring people away for 12 24 48 hours and put them through a series of extreme trainings you know which with like they're non-stop those you know 24 or 48 hours and uh, and teach them you know instead of trying to break them down to build them up like teach them to push to their edges using certain processes and tools like the four controllables um, to get them to kind of uh, expand themselves because go to places they've never gone to in their training and witness themselves doing it and build an association with that action and reward and, and that for me is a, an incredibly uh, powerful way to learn you know you've you're I think your body is a brain and it just it, it never forgets that sort of stuff and it you know the the experience of that that it's felt kinesthetically and and that's the idea there to to show people um to help them push past their limits and to show them their capacities so they can you know take that away and take that value away and that experience away with them and continue it outside of the the crucible experiences so i'll be doing that with um, 17 black down the line Um, I know you talk about the three things, but in training, weight training, fitness sessions, what small things help you never give up and back down from the session you planned? So that's Fez again. Yeah, I think that I kind of covered that question. You know, uh, I'd say you're probably when you say three things, you're probably were um, referring to the four controllables. So um, Fez says he's taken part in a partner workout comp in a few weeks and he just wants to you know, make sure that he's in the best physical and mental shape for that. So I hope that helps, Fez, and best of luck in your comp. A um, couple of questions from Owen Dobbin uh, through Insta as well. Uh, that's at Owen Dobbin PT. Uh, done Owen's po um, podcast um, and Owen did Freezebury last year. So thanks for the message and um, questions, Owen. So first question is, what did your daily routine and behaviors outside of time spent rowing look like? So... My daily routine roughly was first week and a half. I didn't really have a routine. I was kind of making it up as I go. And then I set into routine. I eventually kind of created a, a habit of a routine, which would end it up in kind of get up at 6 a.m. And I'd have a breakfast of a protein shake with some um, dextrose, multidextrin, which are um, fast releasing carbs. And um, I'd have some creatine. And then I'd boil some water and get ready for um, to row. And the while while the water was boiling, or I'd kind of get my set up, and then I would um, re um, rehydrate a breakfast meal and have that. And then I'd row for 
uh, until around nine o'clock. And then nine o'clock, I take an hour off and I think get back on the oars at 10. They do 10 to 12, then take an hour off um, for lunch and have lunch and have a lie down inside. It starts to get hot around this time. Then I do one to three and then I take a, another break for an hour where I go in and try and get some sleep um and and then i come back out at four and do four to seven and then have dinner uh, at seven between seven and probably around half eight and then i'd also do a phone call maybe home around that time uh, and then it would depend then what i do after that it would depend on the moonlight it would depend on sea conditions um you're going to find out why later on in the in the in the episodes in the stories so um Basically, there wasn't a lot going on outside of rowing and sleeping and just the general maintenance of the boat. There's always something to be watching or doing. Um, you know, Everton takes a battering. Everton breaks in ocean rowing. So you have to be, um, you have to be kind of very vigilant and very kind of surveillant in, you know, how the boat's moving and how everything is working from oarlocks to, you know, uh, pins to the oars themselves to the seat, you know, you have to general maintenance of that and then you have to, your own body maintenance and then, you know, you obviously have to rest and recover. So there's not much else going on. And then you got, you know, food and, and hydrating and making water and then the odd day get in and, and swim, uh, sorry, and clean the boat. So, you know, um, there's a whole, there's not really a whole lot going on. I did have a speaker system on the boat where I had planned to listen to audiobooks, but I think I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the earlier episodes, but like on day four, I put on an audiobook or day five and my heart sank because I'd after spending about 400 fucking euro on audiobooks in the last two weeks running up to the start um, and books I really wanted to listen to. And I'm not really an audiobook person. I much prefer actual physical book and reading it. Um, but of course, you know, that's not an option on the, on the Atlantic. So I, um, so I spent this money and then, uh, put the first one on and about five minutes into it, I realized, fuck me, I can't hear the narration over the wind because the wind is just constant and relentless. Um, I know. So that meant that like that, all that money was, <laughs> well, for the next crossing anyway, was wasted. Um, it also meant that there was a huge um, part of my kind of switching off, you know, getting out of my own head, concentrating on something else that was also now gone, taken away from me. So that was, that was, that just meant that like, you know, now I just had more time. I, I just would have to spend more time with myself. And, you know, that's hard. Like that is, that is difficult on, in particular under the stressful conditions uh, like that. Um, now, thankfully music was still audible, but again, um, you're going to see that sooner or later that music had to be kind of put aside as well. And, and that became a real luxury just to listen to a few songs a day. And, and then there was just another another thing uh, to add to the mental challenge of it all. Uh, another one from Owen. Did you use daily mindset practice while on the sea? I didn't know. I, I did a lot of um, visualization and affirmations before. I went down the ocean, but I didn't do anything there, like apart from uh, what was um, what came up because of the situation. So like later on in this story, you'll, I'll talk a lot about affirmations 
and how they help me through some days and the process I use around them. Um, but that I was only employing them. It wasn't like, uh, okay, now it's, I sit down now and do my meditation or do, I mean, there's none of that. It's absolute survival out there. And it's just a reaction to the circumstance, I suppose, the best way to put it. And that's when I started kind of reusing some of the affirmations I would have used um, in my um, mental preparation in the build up. you know, when I was peaking that um, before I got on the ocean. And the last one for Moan is, did you have any scheduled downtime relaxation other than sleep? Examples, reading, podcast, meditation. So I, I kind of covered that. Um, I ended up putting the phone, like before I went to sleep at night, um, again, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here in the story. I understand, you know, we've only five episodes in or six episodes in, so this is all ahead of us. But, um, uh, there, there was reasonings why I ended up not kind of rowing at night um, and then so I'd sleep a, a kind of block of six hours five to six hours at night which you know might be unusual for some ocean rowing uh, solos but um, I had no choice really and then I'd put on the phone and listen to um, kind of a bit of an audiobook but I'd be kind of asleep before it was kind of gone podcasts no i didn't have any i don't believe again i wouldn't have been able to hear the the narration above the voices above the wind and i didn't bring um headphones which won't be a mistake i'll make again uh, and meditations no it's uh that's just survival out there so there's no uh there's no real time for meditations in terms of like a kind of conscious effort around it uh, maybe you go into quite a meditative state during your large blocks of rowing um, but you know as we know that's a bit different so i have two questions left folks so we're, we're getting there um this one comes from ryan davin at the chili shamrock on instagram and ryan says i'm inspired and seriously thinking about giving myself three years to train and do it but the question i have is did you pay entry or get sponsored um thanks for your question ryan um i a bit of both is the actual answer so um the budget for my ocean row was about 110,000 euro and I got about half of that from sponsors and then the rest was personal money that I had saved up knowing that I was going to attempt this thing uh, and that kind of hits on the question from earlier about the boat so the boat was my property if you want and it was a huge outlay of the that in personal investment of mine so I kind of had to I, I mean not kind of, I had to sell it to recuperate uh, some of those funds. So I was very happy to see it go. Um, the entry for the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, which is the race I did for solo, is about 20 grand, just over 20 grand. So technically you could say it was it was paid by sponsorship but then you know the other 87 grand um wasn't paid by sponsorship only a part of it was so um yeah i remember when i was getting kind of little bits of money in from sponsors um i was kind of the first thing i wanted to do was pay off um the after i bought the boat was to pay off the uh, race entry fee because that's your second biggest expense in the budget and the third biggest expense is just your logistics you know you're um moving the boat between um 
well, Ireland and Lagomere in the Canaries and back from Antigua. So those are your three major expenses in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Of course, if you choose to do it as a independent, you don't have that uh, outlay of about 20 grand and it goes up for like two man boats, three man boats, four man boats, five man boats. Um, that being said, it's a huge safety blanket and they are very good. The the company's called Atlantic Campaigns. They are really, really good uh, communicating, giving you tools and um, things to use in your sponsorship. And they're really good at like, because a lot of people who do the Talisker, it's their first um, ocean row like I was like Gav Hennigan was before me, a Galway man as well who did it. So you're learning a lot about ocean rowing or you're trying to take in this language or this information, um, which is dense uh, and, you know, takes people a lifetime really to understand. So there's it can be very overwhelming So to have that them there helping you decipher uh, this foreign language of the maritime language. Um, you know, I didn't, didn't have any clue about boats or anything so uh, it's very helpful and reassuring when they're there so you know for a first time ocean row an independent one mightn't be the smartest choice unless you know you are an experienced um you know you are experienced on the sea you know sailor or whatever it doesn't matter yeah but um so I hope that answers that question. And then the last question is from Rory Campbell and Rory asks could you share what way you built mental toughness? and your thought process and getting out of a rut when you are facing a setback and are feeling sorry for yourself. This is something that generally takes more time than it should with me and I tend to overthink or dwell on past experiences for too long. Okay, I'll I'll start with the first part of that. Could you share what way you built mental toughness? Um, There's a real simple answer to that and and I I don't... um, I don't want to oversee. It's not a simple. Sorry, I don't know. How do I put this? The simple answer is practice. But there's a like that's the tip of the iceberg. And below it is this vast amount of learnings and failures and setbacks and uh, drive and determination and striving and um, falling down and picking myself up. So what i think the the most important thing is what is the fuel what is driving all that like energy and all that effort and all that striving and coming back from failures and and like hardships and you know quits and moments in these endeavors that it all goes wrong and it's purpose it's having something, and I've hit on this now twice today, but it's 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 having something that pushes. It's so important to you. It gives you so much meaning that you just find a way to make shit happen. Having that purpose has helped me practice because my purpose was firstly rugby, and now it's these um, extreme adventures or whatever you want to call them. But it's always been physical. So it's always been body first. It's always been pushing my body into these states of stress 
and pushed into those states of stress by rugby environments and, and the sport of rugby and the pressures of it. So, you know, some of it was in my control, some of it wasn't, but it was all learning and it was all practice. And over this vast body of time, I suppose I, I've picked up some, um, I've been able to slowly understand uh, a little bit more about my mind and how it works because I've spent so much time in those states of stress. And I, I love, like, I mean, there's more than that. I built a very healthy association with those states when I was young because the action of pushing myself hard whatever that may be, that's different to everyone. It's different to me now today than it was as a 17-year-old, but I was still pushing and I was still striving. And that action was gave me a very positive reward. And I built that association. So I built that mental link um, very, very early. And I reinforced it consistently over time. Um, and, and that feeling, that reward is also a very strong driver for me because I, I get to, I literally feel that I am improving and growing as a person when I push these edges in my training and, and overcome them. Or when I fail sometimes in my trainings, in my endeavors, it's just another opportunity for me to kind of figure out how I failed and figure out how I can use that information to get better. So, so I, I hope that answers your question um, about the mental toughness side. It's just basically practice, practice. How do you get good at anything? You practice it. How do you get good at chin-ups? Well, you do a lot of chin-ups. How do you get good at press-ups? Well, you do a lot of press-ups. You pattern the movement through um, um, uh, a a deep learning framework so um you have to be present you have to be um feeling what you're doing in those moments um and you have to be um patterning something positive you know our minds and our body is responsive to positive patterning so that's, you know, those, all those things, um, plus failure, you know, failure is another really strong part. So you got to, when you push to those edges, sometimes you are going to fail. And that's another big part of deep learning. And that's how you get better at anything. And I think that's how I've built what you might term as mental toughness. And my thought process on getting out of a rut when you are faced with setback and are feeling sorry for yourself it's it's the first step it's the hardest step but i think it's the always the first step um if you can find something to instigate that first step and stop thinking about the overwhelming um outcome or the long term um you know if we become outcome orientated it's very disempowering so you got to bring yourself back to the present moment what can i control in this present moment what can i do to be productive in trying to get to there where i want to get to right now this moment um and if you're in a if you're in a rush um and you're struggling to make that first step that is the vital step the hardest step uh if you can ask yourself some pain inducing questions or um reward inducing questions so i don't know what the rut might be but you need to um ask yourself the right questions um so if you ask yourself a question that induces pain like if i continue this behavior which i am practicing right now um what is that going to mean for me in the future a year from now 18 months from now what is that going to mean for the people around me I, do, I don't know the situation i'm just kind of i'm trying to throw out a vague example here so you can you can um dial it into your own needs and um 
you know, use it to get out of ruts quicker, as you say, because you spend a bit much too much time in them. So I'm just thinking, um, yeah, basically what, uh, so those are pain inducing questions. If the answer is painful to you, that induces action and that's what you want, right? You want to induce action. Um, and also you can use pleasure, pleasurable ones. So, uh, maybe you might want to look at asking yourself, well, if I take this action now, what's that going to look like? And a year from now, five years from now, what's that going to affect that going to have on the people around me? You know, if I do such and such, which I want to do, whatever that may be. So that's more, you know, hopefully the, if the answer to that is positive, um, then you want to be using that much more. So I hope that answers your question, Rory. And I just want to thank everyone for their questions. We'll be doing this quite regularly. So keep them coming in. Maybe every, I don't know, five episodes, six episodes, we'll do a Q&A if there's enough questions. And um, yeah, keep striving for more from yourself. Have a great week. Cheers. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.